At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Do you ever feel like the world is spinning out of control? Amidst the world's chaos and growing opposition to our faith, economic hardship, and overwhelming challenges, we can find inspiration from the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. Despite facing an angry king, severe drought, massive opposition, and depression, Elijah lived a powerful and impactful life for God. Join us for our series, Elijah, as we learn how the same God Elijah served can use us to live a life of impact for his kingdom. Well, happy Labor Day weekend to you. I'm glad, glad to be able to worship with you, glad that you're here this morning. Uh, one thing I want to share before I dive into this sermon text this morning, uh, last week we had Kyle and Abby Mahaffey with us. Kyle has been applying and walking through a process uh, with us uh, as we've investigated calling him to be a pastor of discipleship and outreach. And uh, our elders and I, we uh, put our heads together. We heard the feedback from many of you in the congregation and uh, extended a call uh, to Kyle to come and serve in a full-time capacity with us. With us. And um, one of the things I've been asking our life group leaders to be praying about was that God would um, answer our prayer in that way uh, by September 1st for a full-time uh, leader and pastor with us. And on September 1st, on Friday, uh, Kyle texted me and said, I'm in, we're ready to go, excited to be a part of the team. And so I'm really grateful for God's perfect timing and provision for our church family. Uh, Kyle's going to start this week, uh, so he's going to jump right in and get going uh, with us in leadership. But uh, I just want to encourage you and thank you for praying along with us and asking the Lord just to bless us in that way and uh, just honor the Lord and his provision uh, for us. So could you just be excited? I guess I'll say that, Kyle. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Somebody will get it. Uh, Kyle will be here next Sunday and uh, begin his uh, ministry with us uh, that way uh, beginning next week. So just an update and encouragement for you there as we, as we look to the Lord. Well, it is Labor Day weekend, and I don't know if you know much about the history of uh, Labor Day. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of history about Labor Day as a holiday itself, except to say that this, this weekend uh, marks something unique in our American culture. It was, it was established in the late 19th century as a day to recognize and to celebrate the American labor force. Uh, if you go on the Department of Labor's website, you'll read that, the, that Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. The holiday is rooted in the late 19th century when labor activists pushed for a federal holiday to recognize the many contributions workers have made to American strength, prosperity, and well-being. I like that. I think that's a good summary and an idea about honoring those who work hard and laboring. And yet, as we think about Labor Day and working hard and all of those things, I think there's another reality around the idea of labor, if you will, that is going on in our nation right now. That is the reality of labor shortage, right? Uh, it's difficult to go anywhere and not be uh, confronted or not see signs that, uh, that tell us about the labor shortage. We see a lot of now hiring uh, signs or, or help wanted signs. I, I, don't, I don't think there's too many places in our American society where you can go anymore where there's not uh, jobs offered. Uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce reported last month that there are 9.8 million job openings in the United States but only 5.9 million unemployed workers. So there's 
4 million more jobs than there are apparent uh, workers to be able to supply those jobs. That cuts across all the industries, the hospitality industry, the skilled trades, manufacturing, healthcare, education. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a labor shortage in our, our nation right now. And I would contend that that labor shortage also uh, extends to the local church. To the church as well, the labor shortage is there. But I'm not just talking about paid vocational leaders in the church, although there's definitely that among uh, vocational leaders. I'm talking about the mission that God has given to his people, the church. It seems like the mission of God, if you will, the church is facing a labor shortage. I'm concerned that we don't see the gospel advance and we don't see spiritual movement in the kingdom of God in our lives like we would like to and in the church because that labor shortage is there. Now, I'm not, my aim is not to call out anybody this morning. It's not to guilt or shame anyone here. I think there's a multitude of reasons why there's a labor shortage in the church. And in fact, if I could just take responsibility myself as, as a pastor for that labor shortage and acknowledge that you may not have been instructed or discipled well to answer the issue of your part in the kingdom of God and the advance of the gospel. I, I don't know if I've trained you and equipped you well for answering this labor shortage need in the church today. So, so my goal this morning in preaching is to, to, is, is to invite you in. It, it's to call you and inspire you to ministry, and to the mission of God. And that mission is to make disciples and to be a part of the gospel labor force, if I could call it that way, pursuing the mission that God has given us. So so I want to inspire you to be the answer to the prayer Jesus told his disciples to pray. If you remember in Matthew 9, he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out, uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. To be the answer of sent workers into the Lord's harvest, we've got to recognize some things. And that's why I want to inspire and and call you and invite you into his mission. I want to help you recognize this morning and be aware of today God's call on your life to be part of his kingdom gospel labor force. So to do that, we're going to conclude our series here in the life of Elijah. We've been in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19 the last four weeks. I've enjoyed walking through his life, and we've been considering this life of a man who many would consider a super saint. Like if anybody belongs in the spiritual hall of faith, it's probably Elijah. He had this inspiring, amazing life where he trusted God. His prayer life was deep in such a way that he could ask things of God and God would do it. And he would see great and incredible miracles like no rain for three and a half years. And then he prays and there's rain again. Like praying and seeing the Lord raise from the dead a young boy. Like praying and seeing God provide adequate food and water to last through a drought. Elijah seemed to have a spiritual experience and relationship with the Lord that many of us look at and go, well, that's nice, but I don't have that going on. Like, I don't have that depth of spiritual power in my own life. And that's where the Apostle James has has corrected our thinking and reminded us that Elijah was was a man, was a human being with a nature just like you and me. That what God did in Elijah's life, he can do in our life. We have the same God, we have the same Savior, we have the same Holy Spirit empowering you and I to live to please him today. 
If I could use the analogy in this way, um, Elijah wants to pass the baton to us this morning. There's a runner's baton, right? You know, relay and track, and as they run, they hand it off from one leg to the next. That's what God wants to do, I think, in our church this morning, is, is to take the baton of gospel ministry and, and to hand it off to you and to me and to call us into his kingdom service and into his kingdom work. And so my question to you this morning is going to be, will you take the baton? Will, will you run with the calling that God has given you to serve him and to glorify him with your life and ministry? Now to do that, to hand that baton to you this morning, it's going to take some recognition on our part. And so I want us to, to take in three things. I want us to see three things that we must recognize so that we can grab the baton well and we can run well in ministry and see the kingdom of God move and grow. So here's the three things that, that we see in this last segment of Elijah's life. These three things that we can see about our own lives that we must recognize. First of all, we have to recognize that God's direction can be trusted. God's direction can be trusted in our lives. Now, here's the short recap. Elijah has been doing some strong work, right? He's been confronting the false prophets of his day and the false gods. He's been, he's been praying down rain and fire from heaven. I mean, he just has these major events in his life where, where he is put in the position by God to stand up and to speak for God, and God answers, and God works. God manifests His reality and His glory, and He does all of this, and, and everyone sees and recognizes that God, Yahweh, is the Lord. He is the one living God. And as everyone recognizes that, the, His opponents, Jezebel in particular, is like, no way. Elijah, let's kill him off. Let's just get rid of him. And so she puts out a hit order on his life. And if you remember, this is where we were at last week. Elijah hears that hit order is on him. He runs south. He runs as far south to Mount Sinai, to Mount Horeb is what it's called here, crushed in self-defeat and self-pity. But God shows up. God draws near to Elijah, and he reveals to Elijah who he is. He is the God who is merciful and compassionate. He is the God who is abounding in steadfast love and mercy. He is the God who is supreme over all things, earth, wind, fire. God stands above it all, and he speaks, and, and Elijah can trust him. And so there at Mount Sinai, as Elijah confronts and encounters the God, the Lord refocuses his life. He, he, he repurposes Elijah's calling, and God sends him back into ministry once again. Elijah is sent back north, and he's been given a new mission. Now he's to go back north, and he's to anoint a new generation of leadership, a new king for Syria, a new king for Israel, and a new prophet to stand and take his place, to hand the baton off, as it were, and say the next generation is going to move God's purposes forward. Elijah, this is your calling. Go hand the baton off. So our text here in verse 19 picks up the story, and it says, Elijah left there. He left Mount Sinai, and he went and he found Elisha, son of Zaphat, as he was plowing. He goes back north, finds Elisha, and as Elijah's, Elisha's plowing. He says there's 12 team of oxen in front of him, and Elisha is with the 12th team, and Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. So he goes right back. Elijah heads back north, right back into the hot zone, as it were, right back into the place where, where his, uh, there's a bounty on his head. He is marked for assassination. 
And as he goes back north, he, he comes across the man that the Lord told him to anoint as a prophet in his place. He sees Elisha, and those names can overlap, but he sees Elisha and he knows this is the guy I've got to hand the baton to. This is the one that I've got to hand it off to. Now we get really no detail at all about what Elijah is thinking, about his attitudes or thoughts, about handing his ministry over or the calling there. Just notice he goes to where God has told him to go and he finds the very person that he was called to anoint, just as God said. And we're meant to see that. We are meant to see that God's word once again can be trusted. Everything that God says proves true. He speaks and it is so. The word of the Lord is faithful and true. And Elijah's life and ministry has been a complete experience of trusting the word of God. As God has spoken and come to him, it's all proved true. So God's word was trustworthy when he was called to confront Ahab the king and tell him there would be no rain for three years. And God's word was trustworthy when God called him to go to the brook Sherit and, and God would provide from the ravens there for him. God's word was proved trustworthy and true when God sent him to the widow in Zarephath. God's word was trustworthy and proved true when God sent Elijah to confront Ahab and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Every time God's word has come to Elijah in his life, it's been yes, it's been true, it's been real. God himself has proved himself faithful and true. It's as if Elijah may have even written the words of the psalm in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about that, when you're on an airplane, right, and they, they give you the safety briefing as you get ready to go, they tell you that should things go dark in the airplane, should there be any trouble, strips of light will, will illuminate the cabin and the, the aisleway so you know which direction to go to get to an exit. Or if you're in the movie theaters and it's all dark in there and, you, and you've got to go out and get a refill on your popcorn or use the bathroom there, you see those LED light strips on the floor pointing the way out the aisle so you don't trip and fall on your face as you head out. The Word of God is that illuminating light for you and me in the midst of our darkness. God speaks and it is so, and so He illuminates our lives. He, he gives us His direction and His direction, His Word can be trusted. You might, you might wonder about your own calling, and you might even say, well, listen, Elijah got a list of names. He got three names that he was to go and call and anoint, but, but I don't have a list. Like, I don't feel like God's given me a list of names to go, and so how can I serve? How can I know which, which way to go? How can I know if these directions are real and right if they aren't as specific? Well, let me give you some biblical specifics this morning that you can trust and bank your life on about your calling. First of all, about that very calling. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your hometown, in Judea, in your, in your county, in your region, in your Samaria, in, in, in your city, in your state, and to the ends of the earth. The calling is there for you and for me to be witnesses of Jesus. It's that clear wherever we live. Or, or the way he says it in Matthew 28, go therefore. He's like, Jesus is like, go, get out, 
I'm sending you into the world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' clear call and instructions, his specific direction for us is to go make disciples wherever you're at, and it'll encompass all nations. Baptize, teach, go. Well, you may say, okay, well, what about my giftings? Like, what about, what about my skill sets? And again, the scriptures are very clear. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says there are a variety of activities or ministries, but there, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That is to say, every believer in Jesus Christ is empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit of God to serve and to minister. All of us in Christ have a calling on our life to use our talents, our gifts, what God supplies in our lives in the various and unique ways to serve Him for the common good. And so Peter can stand on the shoulders of what Paul has said and says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift... And the implication is everybody has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Use your giftings to serve each other. How? As God's, as good stewards of God's varied grace. You're living in poor stewardship if you're not stewarding and using the gifts God has given you to serve others. Friends, here's the thing. I don't want you to be so, specific, so specifically focused on getting precise details, names, addresses, as it were, that, that without having those, you would be paralyzed from actually doing what God has revealed in your life. God's Word has given us clear direction about our calling to gospel labor. And that calling is to make Him known to everybody everywhere. To use your giftings and the specific skill sets, abilities, spiritual gifts, passions of your life to make Jesus known to everybody everywhere. So you might need to hear that God has called us to share Him with everybody and to start being intentional and obedient about that. You may need to hear that God has gifted you and called you to serve and, and to take a step forward of obedience with Him in that. My point is that God's word, his direction, is faithful and trustworthy. So let's go. Let's go. And that's the first thing we should recognize to answer the call to join him in the kingdom labor force. God's handing out the baton, baton saying, are you ready? Let's go. The handoff is here. Will you take up the call to gospel ministry? The first thing we recognize, we're all called and God's word is faithful and true. And the second thing is that God's call demands commitment. This is where we've got to step in and say, okay, I've got to be serious about this. Let's look at this guy, Elisha, okay? So we've got Elijah and we've got Elisha here. And Elijah goes and he finds Elisha, but there's some interesting realities about Elisha and who he is. We just want to see Elijah hand this baton off really well. When Elijah finds Elisha, he finds him plowing a field with 12 teams or pairs of oxen. In his time frame, Owning this many oxen and a field even to plow like that indicates that there is some significant wealth in Elisha's family. He is not from a poor family. He's got it good. He's probably pretty comfortable. He could work hard. He's got just success going on in his life. You know, the wealth is there. 
and Elijah comes by, and the text just reads weird from our modern angle, right? He, he walks by, and it says he threw his mantle over him. A mantle is a cloak or kind of a, a, a weird cape sort of thing. So, so Elijah walks by, tosses his cloak on him. It's the symbolic act of passing the baton, if you will, and that's the anointing for ministry. He's like, there you go. I don't know, it seems odd. Maybe like, you know, he's passing on some superhero thing or something. Not really. Regardless, Elisha knew exactly what that meant. I mean, it was not confusing to him at all. So he stops his work. He stops his work, says verse 20. He left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and he said, let me kiss my father and mother, let me say goodbye, and then I will follow you. He's like, I'm in. I'm ready for this, but let me go say goodbye to my family because it's, it's going to... It's going to be with you from here on out. And, and again, Elijah, so, so weird. I just, the way he says it doesn't sound great in our modern ears. He's like, go on back for what have I done to you? He's like almost acting um, just ignorant of what happened. That's not what he's saying here. With this statement, he's, he's saying, listen, okay, you can go on back, say goodbye to your family, but I want you to, I want you to make this decision. You're following me. It's not because I've compelled you to it. It's not because I'm forcing you to. I'm not holding a gun to your head saying like, hey, you've got to be this prophet now. He's saying, if you're coming back, that's on you. You're the one of your own will entering this calling. One scholar put it this way. He said, the call is uncompromising. Elisha must choose. But in choosing, he becomes committed. This is, this is the step where he has to step forward and say, yes, yes. So, so Elijah recogni- Elisha recognizes God's call on his own life. And with this call, he has, to, he has to dedicate himself to it. He has to show commitment to that work. And he does that. He shows his commitment by what he does next. Maybe, again, a little confusing to us, but here he shows he's just all in on following Elijah And fulfilling this call of God on his life. Verse 21. He turned back from following him. So he goes back to his home. But he took the team of oxen, that last, that 12th team that he was working with, and he slaughtered them. He kills the oxen that are are helping him plow the field. And then it says even more explicitly, with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, with his tools of the trade themselves, he, he broke them up and he burned them. He cooked the meat and the... On the altar, on that, on that fire. He makes a barbecue and he serves it to all of his family and friends and his community and they all ate. I mean, this is just him, his way of saying like, hey, I'm not doing this plowing in the field thing anymore. God has called me to follow Elijah and so from here on out, I'm, I'm just sacrificing what I have and serving the Lord. I, I'm burning the ships, as it were, and headed into this new venture. I could just hear Elisha singing, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, like very literally. Throws the barbecue, and he's all jumped in to God's call on his life. Now, I could tell you a bunch of stories about this kind of commitment that I've seen from people as they've, as they've heard God's call to serve him and join his labor force. One in particular that, that I really love is the story of Elias Trotter. Uh, Lilius Trotter, I'm sorry. She was an incredible self-taught artist in the 19th century uh, European continent. She could have been crazy famous. One art critic at the time said of her that her art could have been, more, could have been the, uh, the greatest and that she could have been the greatest painter and artist out of England ever, period. And yet she couldn't get past the sense of God's call in her life to serve the Lord among Muslim women who had no gospel witness. 
She, she, she rejected, she turned aside from the training of being a great artist in order to invest her life in serving the poor and the forgotten and the unknown. She had to choose between her art and fame or serving the Lord in anonymity and humility. And she served. And yeah, she still painted, it was a, but it wasn't her life work. It was just a hobby. She went and served the Lord. Do you know the saying, we, we work at our play, but play at our work? I think the saying is more accurate about our American culture in this way. We worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. And friends, you might not be called to leave your vocation and your career and enter into full-time ministry. Maybe some of you are. But you, are you committed with the deepest priority to serve Christ in ministry in the places and the calls he's given to you. Laboring for the sake of Jesus' name requires commitment and even sacrifice. What will you prioritize your life around and invest your life in? Will it be the things that bring you comfort and pleasure? Or will it be the greater and better reward of serving Christ and caring for others? Scripture encourages us, Colossians 3.24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Friends, you are serving the Lord Christ. So, so you can show your commitment by giving your resources to serve and to bless someone else in need. It doesn't have to be huge, grandiose steps, but, but maybe small steps. Maybe you know that there's someone who's just really burdened right now in their life and there's just a lot of stress going on. And your just act of compassion and care for them can be seen in making a meal for them and their family, just to serve them, just to bless them. Maybe it's setting aside a hobby or an extracurricular event, like a bowling league or something like that, so that you could serve on a ministry team, and like our student ministry, or lead a life group and be a part of seeing the gospel advance. Maybe your, your commitment looks like setting aside Sunday morning as a whole, just saying like, you know... Sunday morning from, from 8.30 to 12.30, I'm going to come and I'm going to serve. I'll, I'll worship at one service and then I'll work and labor at the other service or vice versa. We, we have several that do that, that serve with our kids' ministry in one service and then they worship in the other. It's just a way of setting their life aside. I just want to again remind us, this is the last Sunday I'm going to do this. We've been doing it all month. These cards are here in your bulletin, these where will you serve cards. And they are a way for you to communicate with us and us to be able to follow up with you about this calling in your life to serve in the local church, to be a part of the gospel labor force. So A, if you have not filled this out yet and you are part of our church family as a member or regular attender, today is your day, okay? I just want to encourage you to say, hey, yes, I, I will serve. I will use my talents in some place, in some ministry team to serve and to, to be a part of that church family. Maybe you need to take that next step pathway, uh, which begins uh, next Sunday towards membership. Maybe you need to get baptized. I, I don't know what that is here, but I want to ask and encourage everyone to fill this out, even if you're already on a ministry team. Today is the day, okay? Fill this out. Drop it in the gray basket back at the welcome table. We want to get you engaged for our fall ministry season. Maybe some other ways you can do this is by taking a week of uh, paid time off and, and going and serving on a short-term mission trip with Woodside. We'd like to help you equip with that. Maybe this idea of commitment and sacrifice can be shown in giving to the local church. So some of you just, I want to encourage, need to just begin to do that as a regular practice of, of dedicating some of your income to the Lord in His church. But, but perhaps the sacrifice could be for some of you to go above and beyond 
Maybe take that income tax return that you get or that company bonus and use it to support global missions like, like the team from Woodside Plymouth here that is getting ready to go to Rome in November to serve along our ministry partners there. We, we need your support even financially, and so we would, we would encourage that. Here's the point. God's call demands commitment. So will you take the baton and join up in kingdom service and ministry? Will you take the baton? We need to recognize God's direction can be trusted. His call demands commitment. And lastly, the third thing we need to recognize is that God's assignment involves development. Look with me at the last sentence of verse 21. This is what Elisha does. He throws the big barbecue. He's in. He's committed. And it says, then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Now, you could think that Elisha would look at, look at his call into ministry and his stepping in, his dedication with a lot of confidence, with a lot of energy and a lot of pride even. I mean, this is a wealthy, influential person. And, and being Elijah's successor and protege, you would think would cause anyone to think a little bit more highly of themselves. Like, hey, I get to be mentored and experience ministry with the top guy right now. Like, if I had a mentorship under Tim Keller in ministry, I think I would be a pretty big deal in my own head, right? But this is, this is not Elisha's experience. He becomes humble, almost anonymous as a servant. Like, he's the guy that is supporting Elijah's work. He becomes an unknown, behind-the-scenes character. We don't really hear about Elisha again until Second King, the sequel book to First Kings. It's, it's a full on another book until we get figured out what's going on in his life and ministry. And when we finally do hear his name again, he's announced, his reputation is, he's the guy that washes Elijah, Elijah's hands. He's the servant. Uh, to use a sports analogy, he's the water boy, or he's the dishwasher. And, and just to, to recognize the scope between those two moments, from his calling here to when he's recognized in that way and gets his call into ministry and gets to go on about it, it's an 18-year gap. 18 years. Why that long? I, I just ask the question, why this sidelining and moving into a really humble position and role? I like how Tim Keller answers this question, speaking of him. Keller says, the greater the doing the more important the becoming. For Elijah to be greatly used by God, it required a long season of becoming the man of God he was called to be. You would think, uh, this is how our brains go, the, once the guy gets the calling and the anointing, he'll be deployed right into the work. But to serve the Lord well, there has to be character that's developed. Competency is necessary. A life of ministry needs seasons of development in wilderness spaces. And this is how God has always worked. I mean, just a little biblical theology here for you, just for a moment. Joseph, hidden away in an Egyptian prison before being deployed into serving and being a means of rescue for the nation of Israel. Moses has to flee into the wilderness. Goes from Pharaoh's house to a tent where he's forgotten for 40 years and then sent to serve. David, the shepherd anointed as king, is ignored and overlooked and even attacked before ever stepping into the palace in that role. Jesus himself, first 30 years of his life, unknown. 
He has anonymity before he ever calls his first disciple to follow him. The Apostle Paul, he's in the wilderness in hidden spaces for nearly 12 years between his conversion and his first missionary journey. Why all that time? Development, growth, character. And that's a necessary and good thing. Why? Because character matters. And it matters that we become the people of character and integrity that God requires of His servants. And maybe some of you are sensing a call into vocational ministry or leadership in some way. And and one way I want to help you connect with that development idea is to remind you of Woodside's Leadership Institute. It's a great way for you to get an internship or a ministry residency so you can develop and grow before you're deployed to serve. Most of you probably are not thinking vocational ministry, and that's okay, but there's a sense of desire to step up and to serve in the leadership capacity as a volunteer here. Maybe perhaps you'd like to grow and become a life group leader and, or lead one of our ministry teams. Friends, you need development, and that starts by talking to your life group leader and just saying to them, hey, like, I'd like to be an apprentice. I hope one day that that's the, the trajectory for me, and, and so identify yourself to your life group leader. Maybe you're not experiencing the life you believed that you would be now, or, or you're not on the trajectory you hoped you would be, but this season of life feels really out of place. Don't neglect that God is using this time and this season in your life, even the discordance of it, for His glory and purposes. Perhaps He's putting you in humbling places to grow your character and your knowledge of God and His Word. And, and there are resources to help in the church to help you grow and develop. There's men's discipleship huddles. Our women's Bible studies are starting this next month. Here's the, the, the point. Don't despise the season and the necessity of development. Continue to take a posture of humility and learning and saying, Lord, work this out in me before you deploy me. Here's the point. Okay, let me just conclude this message this way. There's a labor shortage of gospel workers in the church today. Jesus is right. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. But God faithfully calls people into his mission. Friends, I want you to join God in his mission. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been called and gifted and blessed to labor and to serve in the mission. The advance of the gospel and the movement isn't the church, isn't something that should be left to just professional Christians like pastors and ministry directors and missionaries. Friends, the entire church, every one of us is called, every member, every part of the body to make disciples and participate in the work of the ministry. So are are you laboring for the sake of the gospel? Are you on the gospel labor team? Or are you on the sidelines? Living maybe as a consumer Christian, like I'll just get the goods and services of the church and then I'm on with my life. Now I say this as we are on the cusp of a new ministry year and season. I'm going to be challenging us as a pastor to step forward as a church with higher energy, a greater passion like never before for the cause of Christ in our community and in the world. You just need to know there's an urgency in my heart to see our church advance the gospel and to grow like never before. So on this Labor Day weekend, I want to challenge you to answer the gospel labor shortage. I want to encourage you to say yes to see the message of the love of God advance in our lives. I want to hand the baton to you and to say, will you take it? Will you say, yes, Lord, use me? 
Let's pray and say, Spirit, help us. Let's take the baton and let's go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gifts you have given us. Thank you for the the work that you've done in our lives in Christ for, for reconciling us to yourself in him. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we would be eager and ready to to say yes, to answer that call, to take the baton and to go and to serve you in in whatever you have called and gifted us to. Father, we want to see the name of Jesus Christ. We want to see the, the story of your good news and your love shared and advanced with everyone we come across. We want to see this church grow because people are turning from idols to worship you, the true and living God. And so, Lord, Spirit, help us. Help us say yes. Help us follow you and to see you a great work among us. We thank you. Give us obedient hearts, humble faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.